Welcome to the UX Podcast, where we learn how to turn a rockstar business into a UX machine. UX introduces a simple formula for personal and business growth based around one principle. We can't solve big, valuable problems alone. Starting with this principle, UX equips and empowers us to pour ourselves into people and systems, scale authentically, and create a life of exponential freedom and impact. And now, let's get started with the latest episode of the UX Podcast. Hey, what's up, rock stars? Matt Johnson back with another fantastic conversation on the UX podcast. And Nate Hirsch of FreeUp is back with us again. We are talking about out, uh, outsourcing, doing freelancers, hiring expectations. Uh, we've got a lot of fun stuff that we uh, that we dropped into here on the conversation. And so let me give you a quick, quick preview uh, because the conversation goes by fast. It's packed with content. Nate always brings not only a ton of energy, but a lot of really amazing tips and, and strategies for scaling up with outsourced uh, people. So in this one, we talk a little bit about about how to build culture and loyalty and what outsourced freelancers would love to see from us uh, in terms of building loyalty and jumping onto a team that has a long-term vision where it's not like a short-term project. We're not churning and burning through people. We want people to kind of join our team and stick around for the long haul. So we want to know what they would love to see from us. We talk about that. We talk about the power of emojis, which was hilarious. We talk about the 13th month in the Philippines and what expectations kind of go along with that. And especially how to get our team, our existing team involved in the hiring process so that they feel like uh, they have a sense of ownership over the next round of people who we might be adding into the team as we grow and scale. So a lot of great strategies in this one. I'm excited for you to jump in. Uh, Nate actually just launched his own podcast, which I'm going to be a guest on as well. We talk a little bit about that in the podcast. And so you can check that out. And so without further ado, let's jump in with Nate. All right, Nate, officially welcome back to the UX podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm super stoked as always. We've, uh, this is now our third recording session we're doing together. We're doing something uh, basically once a quarter. Uh, we published it as a podcast episode, and then it goes up on the free up blog and you guys do some fun stuff with it on your side. Uh, so you've got a really great kind of program for uh, co-marketing with people like us that are, that are like-minded, which is pretty cool. Uh, and you just came off of speaking at a really major conference in your space. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, Seller Labs. They they put on a great conference. Uh, Jeff Cohen. Uh, for, I don't even know what his title is at Seller Labs. He's the face of Seller Labs, and their conference is called Resonate. Um, and it's about 100, 150 high level Amazon e-commerce sellers, and they bring some great speakers. They had um, the COO of Vermont Teddy Bear. They had uh, the COO of Ezra Firestone's company, Smart Marketer, along mm -hmm. with a, a bunch of other great speakers. So I was just got to be one of them, and um, yeah, it was it was a great event. So let, let me ask you a quick question, just because so many of our audience is either in, in the event game in the sense of speaking, putting on events, or, or attending ones and, and looking for the best ones. So you mentioned that it's really just a group of 100 to 150 high-level people. Uh, are they hand-sifting and hand-approving people who want to come to the show, or do they keep it to the cream of the crop just by making it a high-cost uh, type of investment for the event? Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know exactly how they're making sure that all the people going are high level, but it's I didn't run into really any new sellers there. So they must be doing something behind the scenes. I don't think their tickets are are anything crazy. Um, I know sometimes like there's conferences that are $4,000 tickets or whatever. I don't think yeah. that's them. Um, but whatever they're doing, they're, they're only getting the very high level people. And while well, they're sifting and sorting somehow, that's interesting. Yeah, because um, yeah, I was going to say like, I, that's a pretty much the only type of conference I would go out of my way to go to is it have to be other people, people at a similar level or higher. So that makes total sense. Um, all right. So let's shift gears a little bit. Some of the things that I wanted to talk about, um, 
and inspired just by kind of what I'm experiencing with my team. Uh, I've got an ad running on the free up platform right now for an additional VA that we're looking to add. We're kind of building up our staff in the Philippines. So I wanted to ask you a few questions about how to build loyalty and culture in a virtual staff, especially since with my team, we don't have a lot of turnover. We're not interested in having a new person join the team every few months. We really want to build long-term, lasting, loyal relationships with our freelancers. And I know there's a lot of people out there that want to do the same thing. Uh, So when you think about that, what are some of the things that come to mind that we can be doing better as the person who's building up that freelancer team? Yeah. So I just hired a new VA yesterday for, for my internal team. And what I like to do, so I had my, my team leaders interview them. I had my business partner interview them. I talked to them a little bit. And when we knew we wanted to hire them, I, I was traveling. So normally I do it on Skype, but this time I, I had her Viber me and I was in the airport and I was just talking to her on Viber. And I tried to reset the expectations. Hey, I want to make sure you're hundred percent good with the rate. I, I don't want there to be issues on the line. Like I want you to be good with the schedule. Here, here's what's expected. Here's what you're going to be doing in the first week, reading our 50-page SOP and, and asking questions. What concerns do you have? What questions do you have? We love questions. Really just encouraging them to, to be open because if there's anything that could get in the way, if there's any concerns, I want to know about it now. I don't want to know yeah. about it in a month. But what that also does is it helps build the relationship because at the end, I'm, I'm kind of showing them that I care, that I want them to succeed. I want them to be happy with the role. And then at the end, I'm like, hey, I'm excited to work with you. Like, let's get started. If you need anything at all, I'm there. So getting on that same page for, with the beginning, for with that open relationship, I mean, they look at me as the, the CEO of the company and they're having a one-on-one conversation and I'm expressing that I want them to succeed. I want them to be happy with their job. And if they do have any questions or issues that I'm there, my other team's there. To me, that's a great starting point. If I just had my team leader interview them, even though they're really going to be working with the team leader 95 plus percent of the time, if I just did it without talking to them, who knows if that team leader who's also in the Philippines set the same expectations I did, who knows if that person's going to be scared to talk to me down the line and look at me as some big influencer that they can't, or not influencer, but icon in the company that, that can't be reached. Um, and so for me, that from the beginning sets the tone of the relationship. And then I, I don't do anything crazy. I'll, I'll check in there. I'll make sure they're involved in the meetings. I'll, I'll encourage them to speak up. I'll, I'll give them a warm welcome when we have our next Monday morning meeting next coming Monday at 10 a.m. Uh, and introduce them to the team and really make them feel welcome and, and part of the culture and create an environment where they're not just a robot following instructions. They're, they're part of the team that we're building. And to me, that's where a lot of people go wrong. And it's kind of hard to build that culture down the line when, when you mess up the beginning. Yeah, that makes sense. And I'm, I'm getting to the point now where I, I need to get my team more involved in the hiring process because I've done ex- exactly what you talked about. Usually the interviews have come through me. I've been the one doing those expectations calls, but I haven't taken the additional step of having like my director of operations involved in the interview process. I've usually selected them and then introduced them after the fact. So that's a good tip. I want to start doing that, but still be involved in setting expectations because you're right. Uh, my long suffering assistant who used to work for me at my old agency and then came with me when I started my own told me that the other day. She's like, I think you can, you don't realize you're not trying to be, but you can be intimidating to the point where people don't want to bring up certain things that they don't want to talk about or issues or whatever. And I, I hadn't really thought about that because I certainly don't intend to come across that way. But yeah, if you don't set that expectation up front with them and make them feel welcome, I can, I can totally see that you coming across as like the, the, the voice behind the curtain from Wizard of Oz that you are untouchable and shall not be delivered bad news under any <laughs> circumstances. 
Exactly. And, and let's say you have a small team that's five people and you just randomly hire someone and throw them to the team and you're like, like this person, make sure they do a good job. You don't have a choice in the matter. That's almost like the mentality that you take when you do that. And mm -hmm. I found that if you get one or two people from that team to maybe even just do a short conversation, doesn't mean need to be a full interview, a 10 to 15 minute interview. Hey, what, what do you think about that person? Do you like them? I mean, they're going to be working with them 40 hours every week. It's in your best interest to make sure the people that are already on your team that you've already invested time, energy, and money into actually like the person that you're going to be bringing. And they might raise some concerns that you don't see. I mean, they, they, my team's in the Philippines and I'm assuming your, yours are too. Mm, <laughs> they can talk to other people in the Philippines and get a pretty good understanding of whether that person's going to be a hard worker and a good fit for your team. And, and they can also share some inside information. Hey, this is what it's like working for Matt or this is what it's like working for Nate. Like here's some behind the scenes stuff that that Nate might not have touched upon. And, and that stuff is valuable. And, and just by getting a few people to meet with them before actually adding them to the team, obviously, if you're a one person just hiring your first VA, this doesn't apply, but it, it can go a long way to making sure you have a, a better hiring percentage. Yeah. Is there, is there anything that you've noticed uh, about, let, let's talk about uh, freelancers in the Philippines in particular. Is there anything that you noticed, you know, two, three, four years into working with them that you realized, ah, like I haven't been, I've been a terrible boss because I, I didn't, I wasn't doing this one thing that Filipinos really appreciate. Is there anything like that that you've come across that we can watch out for? It was funny. I was talking to uh, Colleen Taylor about this at one of the dinners is the, the power of emojis. It, it sounds so <laughs> silly, but you, it's so tough to, uh, let's say, let's put it this way. I talk to a million people every day, right? And mm -hmm. I'm sending fast messages. I'm firing off emails. I'm sending, I'm sending Skype messages to chats and solo. And, and those things get misinterpreted. I might be typing fast and it's tough to put like a tone behind messages. And yes, there, there's stuff like Voxer that you can send voice chats real quick, but I, I tend to not do that most of the time. So for me, if I can put an emoji that shows, hey, I'm happy or hey, I'm serious or hey, this is a big concern, that goes a long way, especially when you're talking to a group of, let's say, 10 VAs that might all interpret your message slightly differently. So I found that by using emojis, you can save yourself a lot of time, hassle, and misinterpretation. And I know it does sound silly, but it can be a very effective way to get your point across and, and also build relationships. I'll send funny emojis. I'll tell a joke and, and people kind of know that, that I'm not serious 24-7, even right. though everyone's real focused on that big goal. Yeah, it's, it's funny you say that because I was joking around with my business coach about this over the last, I would say over the last month or so, he's kind of refining some things on leadership. And he basically told me, he's like, look, all leadership is emojis. It's happy face and frowny face. Like right. you, when people do what you like, you give them a happy face. When they do what you don't like, you give them a frowny face. It's like if you do that over time, people start to meld their behavior based on the, literally the expression on your face. And of course, you can express that in time. So he's a big fan of emojis, even though he's the guy who wrote a book on Euclid and he can go deep on Descartes and all this stuff. Like of all people, I would have figured who would hate emojis. He loves them for that exact reason because they're so expressive. So I think you're right about that. And uh, you mentioned Voxer. Uh, I moved my entire team over to Voxer, I would say January, February of last year. And that's made a huge difference. So I don't... Um, uh, I don't send a lot of stuff. I feel like that can be misinterpreted. Uh, if there's something where I feel like I might be upset about something, number one, I'm going to cool down first. And number two, I'll, I'll tend to send it in an audio or a video form. 
Uh, so rather than sending like a big long email, uh, so that helps like convey the tone. So Vox has been huge for our team. So everybody's on that. Everybody messages back and forth, and that that's helped cut out some of those communication issues. Yeah, Alex Sharpen, who's a, who's a good client of ours and a, a partner, um, he was like, Nate, you got to get Voxer. And when Alex Sharpen <laughs> tells you to do something, you do it. So I downloaded it, tried it out, and I'm, I, that was only a few days ago. So I'm uh, Doesn't excited. Alex have this thing too, where part of his coaching package is you can reach him on Voxer, like it's a, like availability on Voxer is like built into his coaching program? Yeah, yeah I believe yeah. so. He, he's all about it. His whole team is on it. He created a group chat with all his different team leaders that, that I'm now in. So I, I, there's fast communication. And um, yeah, it, the funny thing is, is, is I'm a really fast texter. Like I would mm. challenge anyone to be faster than me with texting. So it's almost faster for me to send a text than to like to say a voice message out. Um, so really? I'm slowly seeing how, how efficient I can be and, and what I can do faster. Cause I'm all about improving speed and, and making things faster, but it's tough to get faster than me when I, when it comes to texting. <laughs> I will happily let you hold the title. I have no, no intention to contend. All right. So let's talk a little bit about the loyalty part of things. Uh, what do, uh, what do freelancers when they're working on a team kind of over the long haul and it starts to get six months in a year in, um, we want to make sure they're not feeling taken for granted. Uh, I know there's, there's obviously the pressure to keep on improving pay. And of course we, as the employee on the employee side, uh, you know, in doing, doing the employing, we want to see skills go up, uh, if we're going to, for the most part, improve and, and raise pay. Uh, so what are some of the things that you feel like we can learn from freelancers and just keep in mind that they, they, they would love to see from us in order to have that long-term loyalty? Yeah. I mean, first of all, I really try to keep it not as the employer employee side, more as a business relationship collaboration. And I think that goes a long way instead of having you up here and them down here, really like balancing it out. Um, okay. but, but for me, I, I check in with people. I ask that simple question, like, how are you doing? What, what do you like? What do you not like? We, we do some quarterly meetings and they're nothing crazy. I'm just checking in. I'm give me, tell me some feedback. Tell me some concerns. What, what's going on? I had someone that I ended up firing a, a little while ago and it wasn't that big of a deal, but a bunch of people on the team, when I met with them, they're like, Hey, this person is not carrying their weight. Well, that's mm -hmm. great information and I can make some moves. So you, the pay part kind of comes in there. You encourage people if they're unhappy to, to tell you, but I've also set that pay expectation up front. I, when I just hired the person yesterday, I, I pretty much told them like, don't take this job. If, if you're not going to be happy with the pay in, in four months, like I, I want to know that you're really happy with it. And, and so if three months come up and they're like, Oh, I want, I want double in pay now. It's like, wait a second, let's go back to those expectations that we set. Um, but I mean, I'm all about rewarding people. If people prove themselves, I want them to stick around. I want them to be happy with their pay. And, and that's kind of the beauty of hiring people in the Philippines, right? You can mm -hmm. increase their pay a dollar or two an hour, or, or even with my team leaders, uh, the core four people, their pay goes up as our, our billing goes up. So they know every time we hit a milestone, their pay just automatically goes up. And I mean, they're not going anywhere. No one else is going to give them that deal. And it would be an absolute pain to replace them. So mm -hmm. there's different creative ways to go about it. There's also that... 13th month that everyone talks about in the Philippines. I don't personally do that. Instead, I just give a, a bonus halfway through the year and the end of the year ends up being a little bit more than it. Just going to um, ask so, you about that. What's the 13th month? Uh, so if you're in the Philippines and you get a job in the Philippines, everyone gets a, a 13th month where essentially whatever you make per month, because they usually get paid by the month, not per hour. Um, mm -hmm. Just get that like an extra month at the end of the year, like a Christmas bonus. 
Um, but okay. it doesn't really translate and apply to freelancing and virtual assistants, although I have a lot of clients that, that do follow it and are, and are all about it. Um, okay. But come up with your own creative way to, to make people feel valued and rewarded it, and not just at the end of the year. I mean, if you're only giving people rewards and bonuses and raises at the end of the year, you're losing a huge opportunity throughout the year to really motivate and thank people. And what, when we random, we'll randomly be like, Hey, here's a $50 bonus to, to you 10 or, or whatever it is. And, and just make people feel appreciated. They're part of something, especially if your business is doing well. I mean, free up has been booming. We owe a lot of that success to the freelancers and virtual assistants that are on my internal team. And we couldn't do it without them. They bill us 1200 hours a week. I couldn't work that if I wanted to. So for me, it's a way to show them that we care about them and, and obviously reducing turnover is a byproduct of that as well. Yeah, that makes total sense. It, it was interesting. My, um, my VA, one of my VAs, um, and, and I've been working with VAs in the Philippines for, I think, coming up on four years, something like that. And it was the first I'd heard of it. She's like, yeah, like, are you doing like a Christmas bonus? She didn't mention the 13th month specifically, but she implied that it was customary uh, to do a Christmas bonus. I'm like, this, this is the first time hearing of it. I've been working with you guys for four years. Uh, so that, yeah, that, that makes sense. Uh, and, and you said it's not, it's not necessarily an expectation that carries over in the freelancing world. It's kind of the it's something that they do in the employer-employee relationship within within the country, right? Yeah. T- to me, if, if we run into an issue about pay, about bonuses, about 13th month down the line, then mm-hmm. me as the entrepreneur didn't do a great job of setting the expectations. The person yeah. should know going in what to expect. They shouldn't have to ask down the line. So come mm-hmm. up with whatever makes sense for your company. Everyone's in a different place and, and what they can afford and what they're willing to give out and, and set, put it in writing give it to them up front, make sure they're good with it. So you don't want to have to waste your time going through and being like, oh, I have 10 VAs and I wasn't even thinking about this bonus. And now I have to go through and calculate everything. Figure out what you're going to do up front, set the expectation and, and have everyone on the same page going forward. Yeah, makes total sense. All right. And then you mentioned your uh, Monday meeting. We'll close out with this. Um, so give me uh, an idea of just how often you guys like to communicate with your internal team of VAs and what, what makes them feel kind of loved on and communicated with that they're getting, getting an opportunity to speak up when they want to. Yeah. So first of all, I don't do any voice, any video with, with my team in the Philippines. We wow. only communicate via chat, um, Skype group chat. There's a, a group chat for everyone. There's a group chat for the billing team. There's a group chat for the social media team, group chat for the success team. Everyone's got their own group chat. So okay. everyone meets once a week, Monday at 10 a.m. Every, mm-hmm. there's, everyone meets. If someone has a, a night shift and they can't attend, certain people have that, but they just mm-hmm. read it next time and, and they confirm that they read it or ask any questions that the next time they're on. And then those meetings throughout the week. So our, our meetings are, are pretty straightforward. We talk about the, the week before, what went well, what didn't go well. We talk about yeah. the week ahead, the projects we're working on. We have everyone, the team leaders, give updates on what their focuses are for that week. Connor and my business partner, we each give updates on what our focus is on. Hey, I'm going to this conference. Hey, this is a, Connor's working on the UI, whatever it is. Um, and then we ask people for, for questions, concerns, anything like that. And then we just have a little fun and, and motivate people. If you've ever seen one of my videos where I'm just like, here we go, just like really get people like pumped up for the week because it's just a good way to get everyone on the same page, get everyone focused, motivate them a little bit, and then let them off to just crush it and have an amazing week. That's so interesting. I would have guessed there was some audio and video or something like that built in where people would show up and kind of everybody gets on camera and they can see each other and stuff like that to build that culture. It's crazy to do all that and keep everybody together and, and enjoying the job with, with group weekly meeting chats. 
Yeah, and I would put our culture against anyone out there. I mean, videos, it's, I don't know if you ever tried to get 10 people in the Philippines on one video call before. It's a pain. Internet goes in and out. People can't hear you. Stuff gets misinterpreted. If you're not recording it, there's nothing to go back to. But for me, the, the group chat is great. If someone wants to check, they can scroll back up. If, if someone can't attend the meeting, they can go in and read it. It, it makes it very simple um, and all that. Interesting. All right. Love it. That's a great tip. All right, man. Um, what's the best way for people to reach out, connect, and uh, potentially work with you guys? Yeah, freeup.com with three E's. Uh, you, my calendar's right at the top. You can book a free meeting with me. You can check out my podcast, The Outsourcing and Scaling Show, which we need to have you on. Um, and yeah, I'm pretty easy to contact across the board. Create a free account. Mention this podcast for a $25 credit to, to try us out, and I'll see you next quarter. Awesome. Awesome. Appreciate it, Nate. Thanks so much. Thank you. Hey, Rockstars, thank you so much. I appreciate you investing your time, your effort, your energy into the show. I don't take that lightly. I so appreciate uh, you all listening and the feedback that I get from those of you who listen and engage with the show. Uh, whether you agree or disagree with the things we talk about, I love hearing from you, so please reach out. And if you are in the audience and you're a business coach, a consultant, or you're in creative services, and you're thinking about using you know, guest appearances on podcasts and interviews to boost your business, grow your brand, build more influence and attract ideal clients, or maybe you're watching other people in your space do that and you're wondering if this strategy will work for you and how to make that work, uh, I did a special training with a client, Dana Malstaff, uh, who runs the Boss Mom Podcast. We produce her show. And we did a training all about that. And it's called How to Get Featured on the Right Podcast and get your ideal clients flocking to you. And a few of the things that we covered in that training, it's, it's short, it's content packed, it's only about 35 minutes long. And we talked about how to get featured on podcasts in less than two hours a week, how to find the exact right podcast for you and make friends with those podcast hosts, how to become micro famous so you're known, liked and trusted in your space, and really how to, uh, how to craft a story hook uh, that really gets the attention of podcast hosts and gets them to say yes when you reach out and pitch yourself as a guest. And so we talk about all that and a bunch more in that training. So it's available at howtogetfeatured.com. That's howtogetfeatured.com. Pop your information in there. It's free and you get it in you know, instant access to watch. You don't have to wait for a follow-up email. You don't have to wait for a fake webinar that's not actually live. None of that. It's a recorded training. You get instant access. So go check it out. I'd appreciate it. And I've said it before on previous episodes. This is my number one marketing strategy for myself for 2019. And I learned a lot of these things in the process of building the system for myself and my staff to pitch me as a expert guest on podcasts. And whenever somebody, whether it's one of my own clients or my friends and peers and colleagues in this space that we all run in, it's my number one recommendation for them to, to grow their brand, build their influence and attract ideal clients. So if that's you and you want more of that, go check that out. That's at howtogetfeatured.com. Thanks again so much. And we'll see you on the next episode of the UX podcast.